This is the Dear Warren Podcast. Welcome, everyone. This episode of the podcast, we have my good friend, Mr. Bernie Peugeot here, and he is currently still rocking out to the intro music, and he is currently rocking out because he actually completes the streak of what we've had so far with our guests as the fourth guest. <coughs> Excuse me. He is still um, completing the streak of all musicians so far. Right, Mr. Bernie? I am honored for you to even say I'm a musician in your presence. Uh Come on. That intro, I assume, was yours, right? Yeah. Actually, no. We, we, we ripped it off. We, we, you are responsible for paying for it for oh us now. So. <laughs> I like that. Now, that, now, now, is that off of the, uh, the latest album? Yes, it is off the latest album. Just a little tidbit of it. And the funny part is one of my other guests, uh, Jason, he's actually the drummer. In his company, he runs a, um, an, uh, something with a, a credit union. And his hold music is the intro to that exact same song so that's awesome but as far as that musicianship goes you were rocking it and you were playing a pretty mean air guitar how's guitar going for you it's it's not as much as i like to be Mm -hmm. you know i mean life gets in the way you know um gosh you know it's funny i have the uh the 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 acoustics all lined up i pick them up every once in a while you know it's kind of really fun i'll tell you what's really interesting i what i'm gonna be 47 in two months and I've been playing over 30 years, I guess, 32, 33 years, something like that, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah right? You, you would think I'd be good by now. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> no, but the funny thing was I picked up the guitar. Good enough to, pick, to release your own album as well, too. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, that, I may, which we'll a, have to eventually somehow plug. That's a gratuitous plug. We'll put some imagery. Oh, sorry, it's a podcast. No, anyway. Um, oh, we can put imagery. I Jess do, can be yeah. all over that somehow. Yeah, Jess, somehow she will. She? Let's start, you know, let's make an itemized list of things Jess will need to do for this. Sure. And she'll be really upset. By the <laughs> um, oh, you know, are you totally, just like how this podcast is backseat parenting, are you backseat marketing Jess right now? Because she's going to love that. See, you're not supposed to call me out while I'm doing it, man. Uh-huh. It's the art of manipulation. That's where the media background comes in, man. Come Ooh. on. Come on. That is true. You do have, <laughs> um, I guess it'll probably either be in the bio or if you want to explain your media background. Well, before we get to that, I want to mention one thing that's really interesting mm-hmm. about the music. And I wonder if all musicians go through this, is that I've had, I haven't been able to practice nearly like I used to do, right? I mean, life takes over. And my life the last six months has been crazy. Actually, this whole year has been crazy. I have hardly picked up the instrument. I, I have to tell you maybe half a dozen times in six months. Maybe maybe a little bit more. It happens. Seriously, seriously. And then when I'm only playing, it's maybe like just strumming some chords and playing a few notes. But what was interesting was, though the my dexterity is still there, I'm still able to play the same riffs, but maybe not as quick. It's like riding a bike. Yeah, and it's interesting, because I used to remember reading when I was a younger person, you know, like in the beginning, reading all these magazines of all these gods of guitar. And... You know, they'll say, do you practice anymore? And like, some people say, yeah, practice X amount of hours a day. The other person's like, no, not really. And it's because they just, they've done it so much. And it's interesting that at this point, I can get up there and jam probably with anybody, not as at my peak, but I'd still be able to hold my own. And it's interesting going, wow, yeah, I guess it is true. It's so, like the keys come back, the, it just it just all comes back, you know? And you don't, you know, it's just funny how much, that's that's the amazing thing about guitar is that when you love something, it wasn't work. 
and it's amazing how much you can remember you know remember all this stuff it just comes right back to you there's a certain level of um <clears throat> mastery to it and this you should pay attention warren as much as you're practicing too loud for you yeah a little bit yeah i think you are in number he thinks I'm a musician. I'm half deaf. Mm -hmm. I'm not half deaf yet. That one, the one where it's like at two o'clock. Yeah, t turn that down a bit. Uh, that's good. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's better. Excellent. But I thought I thought we loved hearing ourselves. It was or I was a little too hot. Was <laughs> you my are voice. hot. Oh. Uh, mm -hmm. mm. But as far as mastery for you, Warren, and practicing when you uh, eventually, hopefully, mm -hmm. will get into some instruments. I think it goes with any type of activity that you do where. Um, practice is involved what you were just saying Bernie mm -hmm. as far as going to a place even um, after a time period later picking mm -hmm. it up and still there I would assume there are still some aspects of your playing whether it be scales or chords mm -hmm. that you just will always be able to hit pretty much no matter what yeah there's a the go-to stuff there's always a go-to chords and, that, and one would say that's like the mastered stuff like you can almost predict it in the future I, i'm i'm going to be playing this certain pentatonic scale boom right. it just right. comes out of fingers and then maybe there's something that years ago you only practiced for like a week maybe it was a whammy bar dive maybe it was an artificial harmonic pick or right. something like that and then you try it and then it sounds like you know remember when you played guitar here would be like clunk right. Right. like dishes crashing in the background that's when you realize that's the stuff you haven't mastered yeah. and that's the stuff you got to get back to and uh get a bit of a grind and hey that's the reminder of what to actually practice i will say this to your son who's going to listen to this in many many years from now i've had many people say to me oh you play guitar you play an instrument it's fantastic i always wish i did I always wish I picked up an instrument. I always had interested interest in an instrument. How wonderful it would be to be able to play a song. And, and the list just goes on and on. And I say to every single person, and every person that's going to listen to this, which is what, you have a million viewers by now, listeners? Yeah, you will be after Dozens and dozens. Dozens. Well, you know, exponential. But the thing <laughs> is, it's, I tell everybody, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't. I mean, just do it. You know, if you're 80 years old get one mm -hmm. it doesn't matter 100 years it doesn't make a difference what age you are and then if you say well i don't have time you do have time because it, it, for 15 minutes i mean today to be a musician or to learn about music it's so much easier than what you and i had it i mean you know everything's on youtube if you want to take a lesson right <clears throat> to buy an instrument you can get a hundred bucks you can get a halfway decent instrument now you know what i mean just to start i mean it wasn't like that when i first started you know so you have halfway decent instruments you have free tutoring on youtube and and it's the, the best greatest joy in the world i i equate it to you know golfing like I, I love playing golf and golfing is so frustrating but what brings you back is that one or two pristine shots you did you're like wow look at this you know and it's the same thing when playing guitar you're like oh i'm clunking i'm clunking i'm clunking but once you when you clearly hit that c chord for the very first time and then you start strumming it then you feel like a rock star you know you really do and then you feel like you achieve something, and then it never goes away, and then you're addicted, you know. And, and it's just—I've heard every excuse in the book. My fingers are too fat. My fingers are too small. My about the day. It's not. I got it's no stop. musical talent. I got no talent. Stop with the excuses. Just pick up the damn instrument, man. You know, get a hundred bucks. Get YouTube. You're good to go. Have fun. Enjoy <laughs> your life. I mean, you know, it's, you know. It's, so just just do it. So for your son, when he, if he ever wants to pick it up, well, you're gonna—he's—it's in his blood now because of you, but. You know, even if he picks up a different instrument, it doesn't matter. Just 
have with it because I'll tell you, the guitar has saved me through some depressing moments over life, and I'm sure you and every musician will attest to that. You know, you get those quiet moments, you pick, it's dark, you have a glass of scotch, wine, or water, whatever it is. And seltzer, you, Warren. Seltzer, seltzer, sorry, sorry. And, uh, you know, <laughs> wow, well, seltzer mixed with... <laughs> <laughs> with cranberry juice. Yes. <laughs> By the time they hit his age, can you imagine what they'll have infused now? They have infused everything when it comes to alcohol. Everything. Infu- that's right. Everything. <laughs> anyway, I mean, you know, and, and you'll be sitting there. It's the greatest thing in the world's music. So, so don't, you know, if you're thinking about picking up an instrument, pick up an instrument. Actually, you know, it's funny. Go to a music store, but don't be intimidated. If you know somebody that is a musician, go with that person first, because I could see where that intimidation could come in. Go to a music store and make sure you're not playing Stairway to Heaven, right? Oh, no. If you, you can play Stairway to Heaven when you first start, that's pretty darn good. I'll give them that. You know, I'll, if you're playing a month and you're playing Stairway, kudos <clears> to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it the right way. But yes. Yeah. So you do talk about telling people to pick up guitar. Mm. It the way you were talking about it, especially it seems like you, you remember life before guitar. Did you start immediately out of the gate or do you remember a good amount of years before sure. you actually picked it up? Well, you know, when I moved, I moved to Jersey from Brooklyn in 1984 and I was just <clears throat> turned, I was 13 turning 14. So I was a freshman in high school at Woodbridge High School, New Jersey. And I was still an athlete, you know, in athletics and a lot of stuff. And, you know, I tried out for a couple of things, didn't really work out as well as I wanted to. And the friends that I had made at that time, they were, they were musicians. I mean, Woodbridge High School in those years, like from 84 to 80, 88 to 90, I mean, some of the <laughs> monster musicians you'll ever see. I mean, it's amazing the amount of talent that came out of high school. I mean, heck, I mean, Richie Sambora came out of there and now it's pre-84. But the amount of talent that comes out of New Jersey for musicianship and the amount of talent that came out of high school, I mean, it was some... There was this one, there was these two cats, I mean, uh, Ron Laco uh, and this other guy, Eric Ionelli. But they were touched by the hand of God to play an instrument. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember meeting Ron Laco, and, 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 and <laughs> I mean, people were telling me he played Eruption when he was in like seventh grade. I'm like, yeah, 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 right. I go meet him, and he's playing Far Beyond the Sun, and he's 14 years old by Anthony Malmsteen, note for note. And then the, he, was, he surpassed that, and he goes over and plays, and, he's, and he's figuring out and playing Alan Holdsworth. And I'm going, dear God. You That's know, another I, level. Yeah, that's prodigy stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. that that you know, I, I mean, if Ronnie ever hears this, you know, he 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 is the most humble person. I mean, I haven't talked to him in many years, and I haven't talked to Eric in many years. And Eric was, you know, equally as talented in, in that realm, and and he, I think he went more towards a blues vein. I think at some point, and you can't hold me to it because I haven't jammed with these guys in decades. But but Ronnie was was uh, uh, was a prodigy, and back when the word prodigy was never used. You know, and he would never say it. Nobody would talk about it. And if you know, it's just amazing. But the musicianship, the musicianships. I mean, there was, was a guy Lars who's a phenomenal keyboard player. There was all people, great drummers. who was just great bass players. They were just monster musicians. And that was what it was back then. So when I hooked up with some of these guys, it was like, well, all right. You know, I remember when I was a, a young boy, my cousin played acoustic, and it was fun playing acoustic with him. And I was like, all right. So I wanted to learn how to do it. So my next door neighbor had a piece of crap guitar let me borrow it and had a small like 12 inch size box of, a, of like a I, it's more like a speaker than he could call it you know, an amplifier <laughs> and, and i started plugging away on this and i got a mel bay book you know and i played by myself for like four months trying to understand this 
you know, what is this? You know, I'm like, you gotta remember there's no internet back then. So I'm no like, tabs, this, no YouTube this, videos. No, it was like, this is a quarter note, bitch. Know it. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, metronome, me, I, I, <laughs> clueless. Old school metronome, probably Clo- too. Right? Oh, yeah, the little yeah, yeah. Knock, 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 knock. Your, your cat comes over not, and knocks it over. Not, not, not happy with that. But, but the thing was, I proved to my parents that I was worthy for guitar lessons. Oh. Because I took it serious for four mm-hmm. months. And then, then from there is the evolution. I took lessons. I learned this and learned that. And then, you know, it wasn't actually until there was a play. I don't know if it still exists. Uh, it was called the Groove Academy. And I believe it was, boy, it wasn't in Metuchen. It was a town next to Metuchen. Or it might have been right in Metuchen, New Jersey. And there was some incredible musicians there. And what it was, it was based upon guys from Juilliard and Berkeley graduates. And they put together this music program teaching school. And I met a, a cat named Bob Ferry who ran the guitar thing. And he's an old school, kind of hippie-ish kind of dude, guitar player. But he was everything that I wanted to be in a musician because the guy can rip Red House by Hendrix mm. and then play West Montgomery right after that. A and good it, mix of styles. Which you don't being see. Being able to. Yeah, yeah and, and that's the thing. Like, I was looking at that going, I've never seen a guy... <laughs> you know, shred like a mother on the rock and then go over and play Wes, Benson, these other cats, and, and fluently. I mean, mm-hmm. ridiculous. I'm going, wow. I mean, talk, talk about an amalgamation of everything, right? <clears throat> so I studied with him, and, uh, I, and one thing you don't know, I don't think you ever knew this, is that I got to a point where he had asked me to teach his beginner students, mm-hmm. which I thought was an incredible honor. Very nice. But I couldn't do it because I had just gotten a career i just got uh, a new job at to start up a company that nobody knew if it was going to make it not called fox news channel right so it was a really kind of a crazy period because i he hit he had wanted me to go to berkeley because he could he could i could test out the first two years at that point and he knew the people so this I was berkeley college of music in, in, Massachusetts. in boston yeah so i at that point i was studying a lot and i was i went to the school to check it out and I actually went there during an ice storm. My mom was kind of funny, and you know, it's just funny, the trip. But it's great, great get memories, memories of my mom and I. But, but the whole thing was, I went there, and I, and I remember saying to myself, my God, I never, the only time, I have never had it since, that I felt completely whole as a musician or whole in a sense of immersed in the vibe of music when I was at Berkeley, visiting. Yeah, incredible. Because walking through, seeing That's these people, do. and then the vibe that was outside of Berkeley, it was just unreal. And and I'm and I remember sitting there talking to the teacher, getting some ideas, and they and they said, "Well, yeah, we graduate three thousand guitar players a year." What year was this? About. Um, well, Fox. I started ninety six. So I started the company in ninety six. So it was about ninety six, ninety five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was right around there. 96, I think it was. And, and I kept thinking to myself, my God, man, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. There's no way. I mean, th- th- these, these play, I- I'm looking at, I'm looking at 3,000 Ronnie Lagos, you know? I mean, how, how the hell am I going to get it? You know, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Like God didn't, t- and that was my thinking. <coughs> I really was. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I started thinking, I didn't want to play jazz for a living. I didn't want to do this. I, I, I wanted to play Madison Square Garden, you know? Yep. You wanted to jump right up to the big leagues. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love creating music. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate playing covers. So when I came back, I had gotten the other job. So it kind of 
it kind of forced my hand, you know, mm-hmm. real life, here's a job, or I go there, I was still thousands of, do- thousands of dollars in debt from Seton Hall when I graduated from Seton Hall University. I'd have to put on thousands even more of debt on something that I don't even know if I'm gonna make any, any money at, and I know that every year, there's 3,000 guitarists that are playing that at least half from them are gonna be much better than me going into an arena where there's only so many people who get jobs. And I was thinking, that, that scared the crap out of me. So I said, you know what I'll do? I'll just, I'll just try to get with cats and play with people and, and create music and get into bands and record and, and do that and leave that behind. So that's, that was what the journey was. You Did know? you have an understanding as far as like musical success was predicated not just on musical ability, but also on uh, the music business aspect of it as well, too? Did you have that going at all? Well, I mean, I knew that, you know... <clears throat> I knew that I was a good player and I actually became a much, much better player as I got older. Um, but the music industry, I only, I didn't hardly knew anything about it. You know what I mean? I just knew the sense that it was very difficult and cutthroat to get into, but I wasn't looking at it going to Berkeley as I'm going to get into a band or do like what, um, dream theater did, you know, all of a sudden get together and you got five mega monster players and mm-hmm. they become the next, you know, the next rush of the nineties. You know what I mean? But, or the first dream theater of the late nineties. Of the late nineties, yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't that. It was more it was more like, you know, being a session player. You know? And then when you re- you know, it's it's funny. That's what the dream the reality means to dream a little bit. You know. And and and, and boy, this is gonna lead into a lot of we'll really do a kind of a curve here. And this this mm. this is something that's perfectly be, fine. This would be something to be great for Warren here. There was a lot of people today. As you, as you know, I'm a consultant in, in, in leadership management media, right? And that's mm-hmm. what we do now. We'll get into that later. But, but, but the thing is that I wish another version, the version of me can go back to where I was then and say to myself, look, you may not be able to be the great musician that you think you may want to be. That's stupid thinking. What you should do is go for what you want. But realize if you can't be the session player or you can't be the guy that makes it a mass square guard, that doesn't mean you can't find a great living within something that you love to do. You were thinking at that age that at, if you were at point A, you wanted to jump to point Z without realizing that there's probably B, C, D, uh, a bunch of th- different things along the way. Well, well, not to not to misconstrue it. It's not mm-hmm. that I didn't think that I didn't want to jump from A to Z that, you know, the not pay to dues. It wasn't that. It was mm-hmm. that there are other avenues. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of people today, um, there's a lot of uh, Gary Vaynerchuks and a lot of people that, like that who come out and say to people, you have to follow your passion for young people. And, and to me, it's all surface a- advice. I mean, a lot of these guys don't go two, three, four layers deep. And what I mean by that is they'll turn around and say, well, you know, you got to find your passion because a lot of the younger generation today, they're like, I got to find my passion. What am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. Listen, man, I know where you're at because when I was 19 years old, I didn't know what the fuck I wanted to do. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do at 20. I got into my business by, by, by chance. But the thing is, is that what people aren't telling young people today is this. And this is the answer. The answer is, you know what passions and things that you love to do. Okay. But if you're five foot four and you want to be an NBA star, the reality is you're probably not. But that doesn't mean that you can't be in the NBA in some other capacity. You know, I look at Phil Nike, you know, I mean, I don't know his entire backstory, you know, Phil Nike, Nike, and, and I don't remember if he was a runner or not. I don't remember how it was, but he had a passion for track and field. Obviously, he wasn't an Olympian. I'm pretty sure he wasn't. I, I don't think he did any of that, but he created the next wave of generation of shoes. Mm. There is, and nobody's talking to these kids today to say, look, 
you know, some people say, I want to be a, a NASA, uh, I want to be an astronaut. The odds are you're not. But people will say to you, you can be anything you want to be. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go after trying to be an astronaut. But if you're not, understand that there's a million other things within that whole space program that you might be able to do and succeed at. And, and people aren't telling people that. That just because your passion is, you know, I want to be an astronaut, I want to be president of the United States, I want to, I want to be a, this, I want to be that. If you don't reach it, that doesn't mean you can't be within that realm of what you're loving. Because too many people figure, if I can't be an NBA star, or I can't be an astronaut, or I can't be president, they just give up. They give up on the thing that they're passionate about. And then they become an accountant, and they become something else that they don't want to do. And then you become 40, 50 years old, and you're saying to yourself, shit. You know, I wish I wish I would have stayed in that area. I wish I would have stayed within my passion, you know, because you could be an accountant for the NBA. You know, you, you, you could be a, a physical therapist for something. There are avenues. And that's not that's what people are not telling people. Do you think it's also a little bit, too, as you said, that your dream and um, of becoming a rock star musician? Mm. And I mean, no, everyone has had that. Mm. If you pick if you pick up the guitar and all of a sudden you you play air guitar, you're imagining yourself on Madison Square Garden, uh, some course. stadium, world stage. Absolutely. <clears throat> At 18, though, mm. prior to 25, your advice is is great and totally applicable. Yeah. However. It's something, as you even mentioned, that you, you realized it at, a, at, I'm pretty sure, a, a later age. Right. Usually when uh, the prefrontal cortex for someone doesn't get really developed until like age 25. Right. So there's a combination of that along with, um, if we hop back a bit, as you were saying that this current generation has a lot of, uh, has everything, has YouTube, mm -hmm. social media, where not only does it give you a lot of instruction of how to play guitar, mm -hmm. but so many examples of people quote succeeding mm -hmm. everywhere you look you see oh my god look at this i've released this <laughs> album oh my god look at this i've done this i've done this oh, i've yeah. done this and not only that but you could even gather that probably 80 percent of it you're like oh that's bullshit right course, there. Yeah. as far as it, it, it's, it's either airbrushed it's photoshopped it's oh, pumped up in a certain absolutely. way but what it seems to do is that um and i've seen it done uh to my peers of my age, not even mm -hmm. uh, just coming oh, out of high school, where people are kind, they they see this wall of what it looks like. It looks like everyone is hitting three pointers mm -hmm. from like half court. Sure. Everyone is uh, hitting nothing but net, right. and then so you want to just pick up a basketball and like mm -hmm. you dribble and the and the thing you know you fumble it and you're like crap, right? And you just self defeat yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you think it has anything to do with this? A bit of a culture where. Um, you don't even have room to try things out or even, and, and when you do fail, what is it? You see fail compilations. Ha ha. Look at this. It's mm -hmm. forever immortalized on the internet. Yeah. I, I, I know exactly where you're going with this. It's it, it, someone posted something to Facebook and said, do you think today is better or worse than what you had it years ago? And, and I, and I'll be honest, I think it's a mixture of both. I, I feel that it's very difficult for the younger generation. Um, for a lot of reasons, and a lot of reasons, I'll tell you, I don't blame them. I, I don't put the blame on them. I, I, they don't. Have, they have very poor guidance in some areas because a lot of people don't know how to speak truthfully. Um, I think there's a lot of people, you know, the, the media drives a narrative that everything is great. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. It's all narcissist, 
and how great things are supposed to be. You know, I mean, the Kardashians are making millions of dollars because she made a sex tape. You know, I mean, that's exactly what it is. They're all narcissists, right? But the show has done great for how many years now? How many, 10 years, 15 years? And But, but that should tell you something right there. It takes work to get where you're going to go. There's, there's just no way around it. <clears throat> but here's, here's the thing, Eck. The thing is, is that, you know, I grew up in a time you can make mistakes, you can figure things out. You know, nobody's going to beat you up on it, right? Today, they, they pick on you if you make a mistake or you do this or you do that. What I was saying before, but I wish I can go back and tell myself, <clears throat> when we say to Warren, is that, you know, now you have all these supposed gurus and supposed people who are just throwing out advice all over the place. So now you, now you have a situation where I don't know what I'm doing. Now I got 52 people telling me 52 different ways of how to do it. Mm. And who do you, now you really get confused. Backseat telling them. Oh, it's unbelievable. You know, it, you know it's fun. I'll admit, I'm guilty of doing that to my friends and, and, and peers as well, too. A lot of it, though, is out of uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek, mm. just poking fun at them. And because I've gone through it, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I think this is part of my... Uh, I've earned this. I've earned the, 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 the shot to, hey, Bernie, I think you should do this with your consulting right. company. Sure. Because sure. I've read this on the internet, right. and what's on the internet must be true. Right. And, and, it's, and, and it's all anecdotal. And, and, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that are in my field who, you know, uh, they come out, they do speaking, they do consulting, they tell people things. And all right, what, do you have, what have you done in your, in your back? What's your background? What have you done? What, what is your experience? You know, um, there's all these coaching programs. Oh, I want to be a, you know, be a life coach and I want to be this. And they go to these programs and I'm certified. <laughs> certified in what? You know, you're learning somebody else's spiel. So, you know, it's like when someone says to me, like, you know, we talk about leadership and management and I turn around and I say, listen, I built two networks up that became number one. You know, I generate, I work for a company, help, help make a billion dollars and my, my department, you know, I help make over a hundred million dollars because of my teams. I, I could back it up. So the surface, and this is, again, it goes back to what I was saying, there's all surface advice, but not many people can go three or four layers deep because you could turn around and say, well, do this, 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 and this. Okay, then somebody asks you a question. Well, how do I restructure a department if, if this happens and this happens? Uh, the person who's anecdotal doesn't have a clue, but I could tell you, you should do this, this, and this. You have to consider this, this, and this. And you know, it's, it's a whole, it's experience. And what, what, what the, the, the thing about the kids today, and I just, just want to quickly just say that, is like, look, here's my thing. There's a ton of information out there, but it's incumbent upon you to be able to decide which is right for you. If you have a passion for something that you love to do, Go for it what you want with the understanding that everyone has limitations and that you may not make exactly the thing you want to do, but within the realm of your passion, there is something for you. You don't have to give up on it. Like, if you love sports, there is something in sports that you can do for the rest of your life. Because trust me, when you get older, you're going to say to yourself, man, I wish I would stay within my passion. There's something else you would do. It's hard for people to think down the line, but that's all they're doing, isn't it? I mean, you're 19 years old. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. You're thinking about the future, but it's hard to think about the future because you don't understand yourself now. Just to play devil's advocate, sure. what if their passion is, well, to set that up before, <clears throat> to kind of describe how they could arrive at this particular passion mm -hmm. before I describe what it is. Um, they're growing up. Mm -hmm. As you said, they don't know what they're doing or they have kind of an idea but it's fuzzy. It's 
it's foggy. Mm-hmm. It's not as sharp as if, oh, I've done it a hundred times and it's kind of like Groundhog Day where I can just predict when the next breeze is going to come in the next 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Everything's foggy. You're being told um, you, you don't have enough experience yet. You're being told this. You're being told you're not qualified enough mm-hmm. for it yet. Yet what you do know is that there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world. There's, there's people dying. Mm-hmm. There's things going on with government. There's, there may be something going on with the current political landscape. I'm not sure. Um, when all of that is going around and they are thinking to themselves that, well, I just want to do something to, to, to help, mm-hmm. to help change the world. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them at that point? Mm. focus on yourself yeah you can't change the world it's a fallacy it it really is listen (laughs) I'll get heat for this but I'm going to tell you the straight truth on this people are going to tell you everybody's everybody's born equal you're not born equal alright it's number one you're not you're just not and then number two you say I could change the world you can't I mean what are you saying when you say that I'm going to go out I want to change the world no you're not if you can't fix yourself, if you can't make yourself a better... Listen, if you make yourself a great person, you make yourself a really great human being, by extension, everyone that you meet will be better. You will change more people's lives if you are better. That's changing the world. You can't go out and just join a club and say, I want to change the world if you're a shithead. All right? You have to be great. And by extension, everything else will be great because you'll be t- because if you're great and you're good, everyone you meet, you talk to, and you will influence everyone. People don't realize how many people on a daily basis, like right now, how many people are hearing this that I have the opportunity to influence what I just said. I'm making them think right now. They're going to think Bernie's an idiot or they're going to think, hey, I'm thinking. Oh, they just love your voice right now. Well, yeah, I'm yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, it's just the early morning voice, you know. <laughs> hey, how you doing, baby? But... Um, <laughs> And when I say before, when this whole thing of everybody's born equal, you're not. Everyone has limitations. And nobody wants to talk about that because no one wants to hear it. And it doesn't sell. And what I mean by limitations, I mean, look, you want to be Einstein, but if your IQ is 70, you're not going to be Einstein. You know, you want to be an NBA player, but you're five foot five. You're not going to be slam dunking unless, well, Spuds Webb was, it was five, six. But I mean, God, he's one out of... That's, you know, whatever. Remember, that, who is it? Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy Bogues, yeah. I mean, that's all I'm taught. That, that's what I'm getting at, okay? But it doesn't stop you from wanting to go within the passion of the field you want to do. That's what I'm trying to say. Limitations are there for a reason. They're there to make you stronger in what you want to ultimately do, okay? It's like mistakes. You make a mistake, you learn from them. But what mistakes really are are stepping stones in your journey to the success that you want to ultimately achieve, Bumps in the road are guideposts to send you in a direction that you might not have thought about. You know, these are this is the re, this is real life, and this is what people don't want to hear. People don't want to tell it. it; doesn't sell. It's not sexy, but that's the truth. And what happens is, is that you get older, and you're sitting back going, "What the fuck happened, man? You know, where am I going? You know, I'm making forty k a year. I could barely make the bills. I'm having this, but 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 you know, and I'm hating life, and I got another fifty years to go." Yeah, 
that's that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's 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 a, it's a lot of bad information, a lot of bad advice to people. You know, it's okay. I know I have limitations, man. If you if you think you don't have limitations, you just you're just lying to yourself. You got to wake up. You know, you got to know that. Um, and if you want to change the world, look. I worked in the news industry for over 20 years. Most of that time was spent producing news about a war and everything else that I had did. Which, which news network was this? Well, I, I started at America's Talking, which turned into MSNBC, then I went to CNBC, then I started Fox News Channel, and then from Fox News Channel, I branched over and, and started their Fox News Radio division. And so you ran the whole gamut. Oh, I did the gamut, and I did it from, you know, I was in the business from 94 to a couple of years ago until they kicked me to the curb. You know, I mean, that's just what it was. But, you know, you know it, and, and, and I've seen so much stuff. You have that thousand yard stare. You're looking at me right now. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, coffee's not helping. I saw the first beheadings. Mm. I I heard the screams. I I produced the 9 11 covers that morning from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock when I know my dad was alive or not. The stuff you watch on TV, I produced it. You know, it it is a lot there, you know. And, and, well, I'm just trying to say to folks is that, look, you know, don't believe all the hype. Work on yourself. Go read some books. Go look, f- Google things that you have passion about to see what it's about. Great example I'm gonna give you right now. My, my one of my best friend's sons. He's 12, 12 or thirteen, and we talk. I talk to my kid and with, kid with kid with him. I love him, and 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 he says, "Yeah, I want to be a real estate agent." And I said, "Really?" I said, "Well, why?" You know, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, I go, why? And he goes, well, because, you know, you can make 2% commission. You can make money. You can make this. It's a good thing. Nice. Now that's what he's thinking. You know exactly what I'm thinking the reality of that is. So I said, I said, I said, you do know that you work every weekend, right? And he goes, you do? I'm like, yeah. Ah, maybe I don't like it so much. So it's a little simple thing, right? He's a young kid. And I think it's, I mean, shoot, 10, 12, 13 years old thinking about something like that. I think that's great. Even at that, it, just Google it. Yeah. Google, what's it take to be? What kind of job is this? What's involved with that? What, what careers are available within this? Mm-hmm. Get some ideas, you know, you were saying. Yeah. I don't know if it was funny. It's just a lot more naive than that because I think I was in kindergarten. I, uh, I said, mom, dad, I think I know what I want to be when I grow up. Mm-hmm. It's not an astronaut. He goes, what? I go, I want to I wanna work at the cash register. There you go. That's where the money's at. Exactly. And they go, why? Because they give me all the money. That's it. I see the green, baby. Yep. <laughs> I just, you just, for whatever reason, you stand there. Look at this. I hit a button. This little drawer opens and people just hand me money. It's like the real life ATM before ATMs were very big, right? <laughs> that's all you got to do. I, I, re- I really thought that's all there was. To, yeah. in, in that minute. I thought I had it figured out. I'm just going to yeah. stand there, and yeah. people are just going to hand me money. I just put it in my little drawer, and at the end of the day, I get to open that drawer and take all that money home. Exactly. Boy, was that! Oh, it was just as it was just as crushing as uh, other myths. Well, what, which what, what I you... won't I won't name certain characters just for Warren's sake. Okay. Well, no, he's going to listen to this way after. Yeah, yeah Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy. You know. Well, <laughs> come on, man. Saint oh, Nick. That's right. Come on, I like Saint Nick. You know, actually, actually, well, but we're not going to go there. We're yes. not going to go there because actually, the, the, a new story came out, but I'm not going to go there. Um, yeah. So you know, it, it's it's interesting about all that stuff. I mean, 
I think the thing is, you know, obviously this is for Warren, but but you know, the thing is, is that don't believe the hype. If you're gonna change the world, just focus on yourself and make a better human being because you touch so many, you don't realize how many people you touch in your life that you can influence. That's by making, man, how many people, you know, I'll tell you, everybody is listening to this right now, right? Think about a moment when you were down and out of the blue, someone called you or you got a message or a text or an email or, or you went to get a random cup of coffee and, and the cash register, the person working the cash register was really nice with a big smile. Hey, how are you? What can I get for you today? And really, that brightened your day, right? Yes. That, that made you world that much better at that moment, right? That's what I'm talking about. And it's exponential. It's all exponential. And then you know what? If you want to go and join the Peace Corps, if you want to join an organization, you want to do these other things that are grandiose, great. But if you make yourself that much better as a person, think of how much better you can make that organization, you know, with that mindset. So, you know. Um, I didn't want you to think that I was uh, ignoring her as I was flipping. I was trying to find a screenshot I don't either, that you know, was very, that was pretty relevant to it. And I can paraphrase it because this has been shared so many times over on Facebook. <coughs> And other social media. What are you saying? I'm not unique. I'm coming up with the same. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, you know, like, this is actually. This is actually. Um, <laughs> as you were saying, it is an. It, it's an incredible message, and it's one that um, I'm hoping to uh, push onto Warren as well too. As far as obviously, work on yourself. Yeah. yeah. Build things up. Mm-hmm. And in this, uh, the, the advice could apply to the per- to the current political climate mm. of people. Hey, just you know, take a take a step back. Work yeah. on yourself. So when you take a step back, it's kind of like, all right, there's, there's a battle going on. All right. Stay off the battlefield for a little bit. Lick your wounds. Get, mm-hmm. get everything ready. Or you, don't, or you decide to not, quote, participate in said battle. Mm. Battle, so, battle meaning what, though? You're talking about left, right? You're talking about or are you talking about specifically anything? Any or? type of, well, once you hear this uh, specific message uh, that you. I, you, you you'll, you'll probably figure it out. Okay. Where uh, the, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it here. Um, where the, the <clears throat> quote was, hey, anyone who is not participating or not speaking up about what is going on in the world today mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. in this nation, that just shows your privilege. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost, when, when I read that, the way I kind of interpreted it, I'm like, dude, I'm just not participating because I, I'm not participating because like, I hear a bunch of people yelling and you, and you, and you sound like dum-dums. Right. right. But then they're calling out, no, because you're not arguing with us and you're not standing up it just shows how uh privileged you are standing standing out there so it's almost like you're calling it's it's damned if you do and damned if you don't basically only if you listen to them Mm. the issue i think what you're saying is is that i think what you're saying about um uh, debate between left and right liberal conservative or the political climate you know i someone was saying something to me uh, I had asked about when we were talking about the Daily Burn, and I said, "Hey, any kind of subject matter, something like that. What, what people like me to talk about?" And one person said, um, "They said, you know, how how do you start a conversation when, when two sides are so opposed to one another?" And I haven't done it done it yet. And I, quite frankly, I don't know if I would because I think that's more far afield in terms of the psych. There's a psychological aspect of it. But but what I see is this: <clears throat> if if you can't come to the table and have a conversation with somebody if not willing to compromise. You just can't. And you can't come to the table and talk to somebody and compromise if you think that you are 100% correct and there's no fallacy to anything you say. You're not looking to go in to learn. You're just yeah, looking to yeah. push so, something. Exactly. And what is that? That's ego. 
That's ideology. That's exactly what it is. So what's the point? So you can't you can't find the middle ground if you think you don't if you're not wrong at all. Now I I say this to you. I'm looking right at you. Forget the political climate. Forget that. If I say to you 100%, Eddie Van Halen is the absolute greatest guitar player on the planet. There's nobody better than him. Them no one. Words. There's no one. Yep. Them fighting. There's words. no one. I know. There's absolutely no one. Mm-hmm. And I come with that attitude. Yeah. You're gonna be like, dude, come them on, fighting man. words. It's fighting words, right? Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? Right? There's no. Well, what about Eddie? Eddie was a drunk. And no, it doesn't matter. He still was the greatest guitar. If you can't, if you can't be open-minded, and I mean open-minded, I'm not saying kumbaya. I'm talking open-minded, where that you that you are not 100% correct. There are areas of compromise. There are areas to have a conversation on, and you have to be willing and honest with that. Which means you have to be honest with yourself and your situation. And a lot of the stuff that's going on today is media fueled, because people do not take the time to go ahead, research and learn. And the media is driving the narrative because that's what they do. It's not like it used to be. And people buying into it. And I will tell you, it's groupthink. And that is the scariest freaking thing, is groupthink. Some type of tribalism. Oh, it's some horrible. type of People think it's great. It sucks. Are you kidding me? Tribalism and this and that. I got my tribe of people. Yeah, it's cool. We go out. We do our thing. But... I'm jumping off the bridge. Yay, I'm going to go do that. You know, I mean, go watch the end of Saturday Night Fever. You're going to tell me how I felt when the guy jumped off the bridge. You know, you know I mean, it's stupid. It's stupid, you know. You know and, 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 and people have to learn to think for themselves. You know, um, what, was, what, was, what was the thing? Um, all right, the gun, the gun thing. I'll bring this up. The gun thing with the Vegas, right? They come out with this, and they say, right away, within moments... And I'll tell you, and, and this is where I came up with a very difficult thing about whether or not to do this on a daily burn, which I didn't do because I didn't think there was any value to it because I didn't want mm. to be, I didn't want to do incendiary, be incendiary. But, but this is how I felt about it. I go, where we have lost respect for people who have died. We've become so accustomed to these mass shootings. When I was working in the news industry, I used to say, all right, how many people died today? Oh, we got 15 people died. All right, well, then the next one, you got to have 20, right? I mean, because that's what it is. That's why it leads. That's why it gets more attention and it gets crazy. It, it, it's disgusting. It's the truth. And, and, and the fact is, is that all these people that passed away, hours later on, the whole gun debate comes out. The bodies weren't cold. The crime scene blood wasn't even cleaned up. 500 people were fighting for their lives in the hospitals. And yet all people can do all over social media and everything is land-based people about gun control. Then it went a further deeper where people conflated country music with Republican Trump supporters, gun advocates, that they didn't feel sympathy for those people. And then it went into, I'll even say this, which didn't get him any press, Monday Night Football the next day, two Kansas City Chiefs people still sat out the American flag, used it as a pawn, and used, it, used the anthem as a pawn, in their thing about police brutality and I'm saying to myself but all those cops of mixed races ran to the gunfire in Vegas the, the one day we could have you know, stood united everybody's thought process in my mind is so askew when people die have a little respect for people give it give it 24 hours give it 48 let's mourn the loss 
And then let's start the debate. When you interject, like Hillary Clinton and a lot of these other people, late night hosts interjected, you made it about you. You didn't make it about the debate. You interjected yourself with your agenda. If you waited a couple days later on and then talked about it, how much more open would people be about it? Because who are you trying to influence? Those folks that are in gun control. They're trying to influence the people who are on the other side, that, uh, this, that something has to happen here, right? That we need to come together. Well, you're not going to do that by aggravating everybody every time. But if you waited and showed some respect in general for loss of life, and you brought the conversation up a couple of days later, I bet you would have got a lot more, a lot more people okay with it. That's just my feeling on it, mm-hmm. you know? I'm not giving my views on gun control and this and that. It, 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 does, it doesn't matter what I believe. Mm. I'm talking about trying to get people to talk and just find conversation and agreement. You know, I, th- th- that, 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 that whole scene, you know, and, and, I, and, 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 and people rush to judgment. I mean, you know, and, and the funny part is, <clears throat> is those people who came out and conflated the issue saying, well, the country music and, and the Trump and this and that, well, <laughs> How, how, how idiots do they look right now? Because it wasn't less than 36 hours later or something like that. They found out that he, that he, he was, uh, might have hit the rap concert with Chance the Rapper. I think it was in Vegas. That he bought a hotel room. Oh. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. See, people, people don't pay attention. They, they, he, he, the guy went ahead and uh, I forgot what hotel it was. It was in Vegas. And was o- trying to get a hotel overlooking the rap concert. Right? And as a funny right now, he got rooms that was overlooking Lollapalooza. I think it was in Chicago. I think it was. All right, so I'm pretty sure people Lollapalooza and Chance the Rapper concert aren't the most gun advocate or Trump supporters. So if if they went ahead and they killed all the people at a rap concert, then we're not supposed to like you know where where are we going as as a people here? You know, you're Americans. You know, it's the greatest country on the freaking planet, man. Get with it. You know, think, research, look at stuff. Stop making opinions about things. I mean, and, and that's the thing too. It's it's and that's the bad thing, Eck. There's so many people saying so much shit and so much incorrect information that it's just too hard to, 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 to rebuttal it all. You know, it's what they call fake news and all that stuff. You know, I was reading somewhere, I mean, they're like, oh, we're going to get rid of fake news. Good luck with that. You're never hmm. going to get rid of fake news. Not with social media around you won't because there's no guardians of the gate. I was the guardian of the gate. You know, we're pros at what we did. These people are not pros. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't, you got to just shut up. And, 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 and that right there goes back to how do we make this place a better world, right? Mm-hmm. We'll just chill out a second. If we can't mourn the loss of a life, I, I don't want to tell you. Right? Yep. So going with the the fact, as you said, that you do want to try to work on yourself. Is that one of the solutions, especially in this face, especially in the face of like a lot of tragedy and um, horror that, that happened where, as you were recapping, it's, it seemed like when that happened, everyone on a lot, on a lot of sides were just jumping up and trying to shout out for their specific team, their Mm -hmm. specific tribe. And so going away from that Mm -hmm. and trying to just, talk mm-hmm. essentially it's almost like a, a 
going going back. Don't let, let, let's not let's not yell at each other. Mm-hmm. Let's not debate. Let's have a talk. Let's have a discussion. Right. Do you think there's anything as far as social media or other forms of media that can? Do they have to ramp things down? Do they have to take a drastic turn in order to push that type of coming together narrative? Whereas instead of sitting down and you have a four panel, you know, mm-hmm. I have someone from this side, I have someone from this side. I have a supposed mediator. Which is by the way bullshit, I could tell you that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it seems to, to a lot of us, it's, oh, they're just looking for that 30 second sound bite. Mm. And these topics, uh, Gun, gun control, abortion. Right. Um, these have been going on for longer since, well before I, I've been born. Sure. Long, longer than, than you've been born. And, and it's, it almost seems as if like, how do you really, do you really think your one blog post of a thousand words mm-hmm. has the solution to, to a problem that's been going on for uh, 30 plus years, 40 plus years, past your lifetime? Do you really think a 30 second soundbite will solve that? So, and do you really think a half hour show is mm-hmm. going to, again, with the 30 second soundbite is going, is going to solve that? What type of discussion do you think has to happen in order to arrive at maybe not a solution, but at least an understanding? Well, I, I think, I think you got the worldview, you got, you got the general, the big population view, and then you have the individual, right? And, you know, going back to saying you can change the world, you know, you have to focus on yourself. And I truly believe, I mean, look, social media is just a vessel for people to get their message out. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, right? So who is the messenger? Right? And what is the delivery system? And how are you using that delivery system to reach what audience? So... Instagram use pictures more, Twitter use under 40 characters, and you, and you figure out a spell and use grammar, you become bad. It's just unbelievable. Uh, you know, uh, Facebook your and the, your. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, 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 but the thing is about all this is that I, I say this. If you focus on yourself and try to make yourself a better person, then it, by extension, you're influencing other people. You'd be thoughtful in your posts be thoughtful of other individuals and that's how it starts that's it you know the medium itself can't regulate anything Mm -hmm. it just can't it's not into regulation it's there to have social interaction with people but if you want to be a troll or if you just want to start problems and that's who you are what are you going to do? There's millions of people like that. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I, I had a, I had a, um, Phil Murphy is running for governor of New Jersey. And I, I did a simple little tweet the other day. And he's coming out fire branding on all this stuff, right? And quite frankly, you know, <laughs> the stuff that people are saying, right? And, and, and I wrote back, I said, okay, you want to do this? He was about gun control. He, he jumped on the narrative and he goes, we need to do this about gun control and we're going to make it safer. So I wrote in a tweet, I said, Give me details. What are you trying to do? Because New Jersey has some of the strictest gun laws in the nation. I think Chicago's number one. Uh, Illinois might be number one. I'm not, I'm not sure. And don't hold me to a gun, guys. But I know New Jersey is very difficult. New Jersey is <clears> difficult. <throat> Jess and I took a, a like a, a pistol introductory yeah. course, mm-hmm. and 
the first hour they just went over laws. Yeah, it's it's saying, it's very it's tough. Yeah, it's very tough. So what are you trying to do? What what are you trying to do? And 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 I had people jumping on me. Well, you know, you this the laws, and then you're not Murphy. And then what about the other side? And look, I'm just asking. And somebody says, well, it's on his website, but I know it's on his website. But you're 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 using the medium to jump on a narrative to try to get your base excited. And I'm asking a question. Give me some details. Now I know he's not doing his Twitter thing. He's got his own press people doing it. And Murphy's not doing it. But 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 the thing is is that you know. I want to I want to call them out. So one person one person got on me. He says you're probably not even from Jersey. You don't know shit. Ba 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 ba. I wrote back. I says, listen, I know about the state very well. I've been here for a long time. I'm just posing a question. Murphy, what are the details? She comes back and says, oh, I apologize. I was referring to the person above. Please accept my apology. <laughs> I wrote back. I said, I says, I says, thank you. No problem. Yep. Right, now now I could have fired Brandon back and been that guy. And what does it do? A lot of times when it comes to, if you have a point of view, all, you get so easily pulled away from your point of view what you're trying to do because other people throwing fireballs at you. Stay, stay where you want to go. I, I, think, I think all this stuff, the conversation, you know, again, it comes back to this. Focus on yourself. Make yourself as best a human, best human being you can be. Get educated about what people are trying to, to talk, talk about and discuss. All right. Real quickly about the gun thing. And this is, and, 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 and here's an interesting thing. They talk about these bump stocks. Right now, I'm a thing. I'm a se- I'm a Second uh, Amendment believer. I'm a full fledged believer in that, and I'm a full fledged. Everybody should be allowed to have a gun. I don't have a problem with that. Do I believe in regulation? Absolutely. But here's my thing on it. They're talking about the bump stocks, right? And I'm sitting there going, "Wow, what's a bump stock?" Right? Mm. And I go, "Wow, they they took they took a, a an assault weapon." Okay, assault weapon, it's a single shotgun, whatever. You know, it's it's all words. It took a semi-automatic. Yeah, semi-automatic, and he made it into. He made it more like automatic, semi. Pretty, semi, mu- pretty I've much. Seen right? Videos that yeah, is it's pretty, some pretty serious scary, shit. So yeah. I'm going to myself. I'm going. Wait a minute, that shit's illegal. That, that that's, so someone made <laughs> someone made something legally. Yeah. To make a gun illegal. It's fucked up. And I'm like, that's what the fuck, man. It's like semantics. It's like, come on, man. I mean, you know, I'm sitting there going. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a conservative guy. I'm going, you know, I'm like, get rid of that shit. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on, it's common sense. And then, and then you got people coming out, and they're saying, and this is the funny part. They'll come out and say, well, having a bump stock makes, you know, if he had a bump stock on there, he can't shoot that well. As and, accurately, and exactly. Get out of here. And I'm like, look, I'm like, here's my thing. Fine, what you're saying is true. Okay, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert, expert on it. Okay. But what I do know, which is common sense, is that even if it's in short bursts, you can shoot more bullets. That might not be a bad, a good thing. And you know what? When you got crowds of people huddled trying to get through like a bottleneck going to an exit door, how accurate do you fucking need to be? I mean, come on, people. Use some logic sense here. So I'm saying to myself, you know, I'm going, yeah, why don't you get rid of that? And here's some loopholes in some other areas, too. Why don't you do that? Right? We're meeting. We're having a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the problem is, is that you got you got people who want to get rid of the Second Amendment, and there's other people who say you want to have the Second Amendment. And, and people, a specific agenda. A specific agenda. And, but nobody knows what the Second Amendment is there for. It's there so that way we can be armed against in case of tyranny of a government to try to take over its people. That's what it's all about. And we have the right to bear arms. Simple, basic, not a big deal. But you know, it, it, you know, people argue that either way. But the bump stock thing is funny. You know, it comes out. I mean, you and I are logical people. I, whether you like guns or not, it doesn't matter. I, I think guns are fine. And I'm sitting going, well, that's a stupid thing. Get rid of it, man. Why the hell is that even allowed? And oh, by the way, they go, well, Trump's a bad guy. He allows it. Well, it was under Obama, and Obama's ATF is the one who approved it. 
But oh, we can't say that because, you know, that goes against our narrative of the people who are same in line with the, the gun control. I'm like, oh, people, you're all fucked up. I mean, come on, man. You can't even acknowledge it. It wasn't it wasn't the Republicans. It was the ATF under Obama. And I'm going, but who cares, man? Who cares? People are dying. Let's do the right thing. It doesn't matter politically. And that's what people are getting sucked up into. Mm. I got to be this way. Mm. You know, if I'm conservative, I got to be pro-life. There's, a, and, and there's I, a checklist. And, and, and there's a checklist. Man, the checklist was religion, abortion, guns. Uh, uh, conser- free, speech. free speech. I mean, it's just unbelievable the list you have to be under. Mm-hmm. I'm going, that's not the way the world is, man. It's more center to right, center to left. That's, that's why, here's the thing. This country is phenomenal. Things are going great. We have great people. There's, this racism stuff is nowhere near what people are talking about. There isn't, in my opinion. The, all those other problems they say there's going on, there is nowhere near what the narrative is being driven through the media. And the media is fucking driving this thing and driving up the world because they're wrong. They're wrong. The media drives a narrative, and that narrative is driven to incite their base so that they can get the ratings, which can drive advertising so they can make freaking money. That's the God's honest truth. Okay? And here's the thing about it. All the, all the thing about it is that people, people get sucked into this Kool-Aid mentality because they want to hear what makes them feel good. And that's what it's all about. They don't want to learn. You know? Because if people were sitting there learning, they wouldn't watch half this shit. You're listening to the late night talk show hosts influencing you. Are you out of your fucking mind? I mean, come on. Jimmy Kimmel. All these other people. All of them. All of them. You listen to celebrities. Really? The highly educated celebrities are telling you things? Either way, it doesn't matter. And they're influencing you to make a decision without you going ahead and doing some research to learn on your own. I think there was an article even put out that exactly what you were saying of Hollywood <clears throat> preaching gun control. Mm. Yet they, you look at John Wick 1, John Wick 2, uh, a glorification, pretty much, of sure. gun culture. Sure. So, hey, Look, I don't care what you do. Just just be, be leery of who you're listening to. Mm-hmm. You know, now, people, I guarantee you right now, people are like, oh, you're a Fox guy. You're this and that. Look, man, Fox has a lot of fucked up shit. And he, 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 here's the thing with the media. All right, here's the straight on the media. The news industry was an, it was just a news industry, okay? It, a lot of companies bought up a lot of the industry, all right? The news industry turned into a brand. And what's a brand? All about making money, all right? I wrote an article a long time ago after the election, and everyone was saying how the heck they could miss this, that Trump could win, Right. And I go, it's not hard to believe. As a matter of fact, I wasn't surprised at all because the people that are there live on the coasts and not realizing that there's, there's, you know, 46 other states in the middle, something like that. What is it? They treat them as flyover states, flyover states. Right. And, And I'm saying to myself, I'm going, the reason why you as a consumer of MSNBC, CNN and Fox might not have gotten the narrative right. It's because that's all you're listening to, you're not hearing, and because that's the only thing they're talking about. Kind of like an echo chamber. Basically. Oh, oh, it's the most actually not brutal. kind of it exactly is. an it echo is. chamber. It is, and 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 the thing is, is that you have here's the thing in the media: you have highly intelligent people that are pretty freaking smart, 
All right, but the Maddows, the Matthews, the O'Reillys—they're the smart people. Let me tell you—I know I know some of these people. They're very smart, and they can wield words and they can wield things together to make it look factual. I'm not saying that everything they say is wrong, and I'm not saying everything they say is factual, but they're masters at manipulation when it comes to words and what they want to do. Regular folk don't can't see through that, and they get angry with me when I say you can't see that, and they're like, "Well, I'm not stupid. I'm not saying you're stupid. I was a professional editor. I can make Obama look like a goddamn conservative if I wanted to. It's not hard to do. You understand? And 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 that's what happens. It's the Kool Aid. It's the Kool Aid. I had someone ask me, he says, "How come Fox always looks so right wing? It's right le- right leaning, this and that." I go, I- "I'm going to tell you the truth right now." They're like, "What?" I said, "It's not as right as you think it is right now." I go, "It's center right," and they're like, "What do you mean?" And I go, "Listen, Fox was very right wing at one point. They came back towards the center a little bit. They're more center right right now. The reason why they look so damn right wing is because CNN went completely left, and MSNBC is out there with them. So perspective. It's absolutely perspective." And people say, well, that's not true. It's bullshit. It is absolutely true. Acknowledge what it is. It, it is. If you can't acknowledge and see for what it is. Listen, I don't give a shit what you listen to. And I don't really give a shit what you, what you like or don't like. And I don't care what your ideology is. It doesn't really make a difference. But you got to acknowledge what you're looking at and be honest with the situation. You know, if you're going to watch... If you're going to watch Hannity or something like that at night, you know what you're going to get. If you're going to watch Rachel Maddow, you know what you're going to get. You know, but there are some in between. Like Brett Baer is one of the best guys I know. Brett Baer is a, a phenomenal... That show is good. I'm not talking about the discussions. He actually does his discussion pieces in the back pretty good. But I know those reporters. They're straight up great reporters. I know them personally. They're great at what they do. But there's not that much of it in it. And that's what has happened with the media is, see, when the cable news came out, it was all about the news, trying to do the news, right? And then they had some commentary at night. And how they said we're still a news organization is that they would still have these one-minute updates of so-and-so and 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 cut them in between at at the primetime shows. Well, what they started seeing was that the primetime shows were making a lot of the money to get a lot of the ratings, right? There's a lot of reasons for that. But it was really driven by the anchors, and, which became characters and, and what mm. they were, the, the, you know, the O'Reilly's and the Snat, the Snat. Good shows. I mean, they're fun, right? But what happened is over the time, those all seeped into the entire day where every show became, every hour starts to become branded. They become branded, you know? That's why CNN started losing a lot because they kept Wolf Blitzer on for the last 10 years for all those hours. Nobody gives a shit about Wolf Blitzer to watch him all the time. They didn't brand. Fox was smart. They started their branding. Everybody brands. MSMS, it's, it's all started branding out the shows. So what happens is, is it becomes more commentary driven than it does mm-hmm. become news driven. And it gets harder to pierce between the two. You know, it, 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 it's harder to see what's going on. And then, of course, the papers follow suit and everybody follows suit. And then after that Bush Gore thing, oh, forget about it. It was like, bam. When, when Bush Gore happened, that whole thing with the Chads in Florida, went to Supreme Court, that was it. Battle lines were drawn. It, it, was, it was over after that. That's that where you see the... That was, that was, that was, that's the watershed mark because that's where the money and the ratings and, the, and it, boom, right through the roof. Absolutely. Because when, uh, let me tell you something, and, 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 and this is, again, I got to write a book on this. When we started in cable news, right? So people, just to give a perspective, folks. I started at, at, at America's Talk and was turned to MSNBC. Then I was at CNBC. I was there for TWA Flight 800 when I went downstairs to talk to Andy Lack when Brian Williams did his thing on air, okay? I was there for the OJ stuff. I was there for all that stuff. What The thing about cable news is this. It's 24-7. You have to fill it. You have to fill it. It's hard to fill I remember being a booker, a young, young, young guy, and, and, and people be like, who's Fox News Channel? 
You know, they don't know who Fox News Channel is. They thought it was Fox 5. We're trying to book people on a show. The cable news, yeah, CNN was around, but it wasn't like the monolith that it is today. You know, first of all, and I'll give you a couple of reasons why. One, the reach. Cable wasn't spread all over the country at the time. Okay, like now I forgot how many... I think pretty much almost every household is able to get cable right now. I, um, but back in the day, Fox had to pay. Fox paid for every subscriber for the first 12 million or 14 million. They paid per subscriber to get on. Hmm. They paid. Right? And they only had like 12 to 14 million or something like that. You can look it up. But I mean, these are generalizations. <clears throat> the same thing with MSNBC when they came on. They, they made it. The reason why is MS, that people forget, they made a deal with Microsoft, and that's how they got the money. They got the money from Microsoft to go with it and do with NBC. And, you know, again, there's probably more details there. Guys, I don't have the computer in front of me. But that's how the MS and MSNBC came on board, right? And uh, Microsoft is, is not involved with them anymore now, just so, so everybody knows. But, but the thing is, when it all started, you know, they had no share. Share being how many people watched them at night. There was nobody watching them. Everybody was still watching the big three at 6.30, ABC, NBC, and uh, CBS, mm -hmm. Okay. I think it was still Brokaw. It was still Rather. And um, was it still Williams? Was I think Williams was, was the guy, the early guy back there for ABC. Either way, the thing is... I think I was watching Monday Night Raw. Be the Monday Night Raw. But anyway. that's how it started. Then, then, as I say this all the time, then came JonBenet Ramsey. JonBenet Ramsey story. You see, when JonBenet Ramsey story, people don't know, you should look it up. It's an interesting story. Little white girl, pageant girl, I believe it was, out of Colorado. Uh, she was lost. I think she was found murdered, and uh, you know, forgive me, folks. I don't know all the. I don't remember all the details, but but it was it was. You have to understand. It was a white girl, pageant girl, middle America, Colorado. This is pre all the crazy shit in the world, you know, and was missing. It had all it had it had all the stories, right? Sex, salaciousness, all this stuff because the parents were all kind of fucked up and all this mm. and that, right? All the stuff people was going on in the media. When we did the story, they did it at night, and they realized they can go a whole hour on one story, and the ratings were right through the roof. And they go, "Wow, we can do one story, and harp on one story, and we're getting these ratings." And that started it all. That's that's how Nancy Grace became big. That's how uh, Greta Van Susteren, I believe, was one. Uh, back in the day with Stan Goldman, some other people. These all these people became household names because of that. And obviously, OJ was another big thing, too. And they started realizing that, hey, we could take one story and just run with it, and the ratings go up. Now, what happens then? What happens? Well, what happens is that you, as a consumer, <laughs> you don't know what else is going on in the world. But, so how, what they do is they put that woman in newscast in there with about three stories in there, and it's, hey, you know, we're doing the news. Or you have a show or two at night that talks about the news, but they're focused more on this, right? You could see the percentages of how things got split during the daytime. So that's what, so that's, that's how 24-7 News started figuring out, hey, we can get things, get ratings up, we can start getting attention, right? And then came the hammer, Bush Gore. Hmm. And, oh, that's it. It brought everything out. It brought people out. It had, it had everything. It was, it was reality TV. And that's what it was. And it was simple too, one on one. Oh, my side versus your side. side. Oh God, the whites versus minorities, the conservative versus the liberals. It, it just—it's it, all this shit narratives that they—you couldn't draw it up better. It sells, right? That's right. So, so you could see if you go back where we are today, you could start looking back on how things were. You know what I mean? People go, well, 
you know, because what happens is in, in the climate that we have today politically and what's going on in the news industry, this is, this is what happens. It, it, it's like a, um, a dusting of snow, right? You ignore a dusting of snow. But if you ignore it too long, you can't open your door and you go, how, how the hell did this happen? Well, this is how it all got built up. And so then, you know, you had the, the Bush Gore thing. It became this problem. Then it went on. Then it was on other things and then became racial issues. And, you know, and it just expands, expands, expands. You know, Obama goes into the White House. That created some other issues, which it, it was, I don't care what the color of your skin is. You, you, you liberal conservative. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It's it's what you believe in, right? Mm-hmm. And then and, and you have Trump. I mean, Trump. The way he ran his campaign and did what he did could never have existed if it wasn't a for social media and if it wasn't because of all the predecessors with their own their own discourse and discontent for half of americans in this country he he would never have made been a president eight years ago four years ago maybe would have had a shot but it's the climate today that sets up i've always said this i'm not the only one presidents are made for the time that they're voted in on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the way Trump is would never have been voted in on, I don't even think four years ago. Maybe, but I doubt it. But it's, it's the time. It's the time of living, you know. So. Do you think it's due to kind of like that, as you were saying, left and right? It, did, the, did the pendulum kind of swing a little too far to one side so that like... Th- and their message was a little too overbearing? So this is kind of like a bit of a balancing act? Well, whose message? Left. If you if you count uh, uh, two terms of, of Obama, right? If you say that, that was there too much of a of of, of a liberal message, it, was it over the course of the years? You, you would think like, oh, all right, one side is trying to push this much policy mm-hmm. or drive culture that way, mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason, culture rises up, and then it eventually gets into politics, and then it tries to right itself, and then it starts swinging one way. Right. Do, do you think it was kind of, uh, it was inevitable that it would, it, it would have happened? That's a, that's a phenomenal question, and, and I think it could be, you know, I'm going to do the Forrest Gump answer here. I, said, I think it's a little bit of both. Hmm. A little um, bit of column A, a little, little bit of column, column B. B. That's the Archer answer. It, I'm giving you an updated culture reference. Okay. <laughs> I love that Gump answer. <laughs> I, you know, I got to tell you, I, I, that's, I, I use that all the time. People mm. say to me, you know, you know, I don't know if it's Lieutenant Dan thinks we have a destiny or... I think I got Bill Clinton doing Gump here. Holy shit. <laughs> and then, you know, it's, it's mama with like a f- feather floating around the breeze yeah. and all that. And he goes, I think it's just a little bit of both. And I, and I thought about that. I go, yeah. wow, it's interesting. I think know? it's a little bit. He, he, he said it too. He said it in like I a question it, way. He goes, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both because. Yep. That is my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time. And people just miss the point. Hmm. The point is that last five minutes of the movie. That is the point. If you go back and look at that movie with the mindset of, is my life, what's the meaning of life? Why am I here? Hmm. Go with that mindset and say, is it predetermined, destined, or are we floating around the breeze like a feather? That's the movie. And that's why when you see him in all these different places, mm-hmm. that's why you know it's such a great movie because here's a guy who is not highly intelligent who is influencing so many people along the way. You know, I mean, if you think about it, you know, it's a movie, yeah, but you just don't realize how much influence you have. Was, was Tom Hanks' character predetermined to do what he did? Maybe his destiny was predetermined, but maybe he was the feather for everybody else that he influenced. Mm-hmm. 
you're getting deeper here, Bernie. You're going more into is any is there such thing as free will? Is sure. there such thing as as choice? And then uh, mm. I'm no expert. I mean, you would have to listen to Sam Harris because he argues it highly towards one way. You sure. could listen to Jordan Peterson. He he argues it the other way. Mm-hmm. But um, I, it, 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 but it, yeah. Bringing it back to that pendulum thing, yeah, I, I think I think it, I think the thing about what happens with that is is that um, again, and this is uh, beating a dead horse here, but it's mm. it's what you listen to. You know, I think when it comes to politics, you, you have to know what you firmly believe your beliefs are what this country is all about you know what is it to be an american you know what 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 do you believe in you know what what do you believe in Mm -hmm. and and what are your beliefs based on what have they been influenced by then come up with your own answer you know uh, as opposed to listen to all these people telling you all this stuff you know, I, I tell you, I talk about failure when I consult, you know, for people. And and, and there's a lot of, and, and this, let me just branch off a second when it comes back sure. to this. It, it's, it's, people, people like to say that, you know, if you quit, you're a failure. And that you're only a failure if you quit. And again, I put that in the category of bullshit. Sometimes it's okay to quit on something. But that's the surface discussion. The three to four levels deep is this. What they're actually saying, when people say that, these so-called gurus and mentors, they're saying as long as you're doing something, physically doing something or mentally, whatever it is, you're not quitting. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is that you could be failing in your processes in your journey to your goal. And, 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 and when you fail in your processes, you're going to wear yourself down. And then when you wear yourself down, you're going to quit. And by extension, you're going to think you're a failure. Meaning that if you do the same thing over and over again and make mistakes and don't see it for what it is, you're not going to get anywhere. And that's what people don't tell you. So when I preach about failure... I say there's four things that can help you so you don't fail. And the, and the first one is decisive decision-making. And when I talk about that, I say, listen, you have to make, and, and this goes into this stuff as well. <clears throat> you have to be able to make decisions without having 100% of the information. You have to. You have to, be, you have to be, learn to be uncomfortable in the situation to be a leader, right? Um, if you wait for all the information all the time, you're going to get left behind, right? That's in terms of leadership and management and dealing with business. But even in real life, you have to learn to say, this is my decision. This is how I feel about something, okay? But the key component to that is flexibility. If you are stringent in your decision-making with no flexibility, you will fail anyway. You know, imagine a skier going down, down a mountain, okay? And he has a line that goes from A to B, right? And the shortest, shortest way to get from one place to the other is A to B, right? But we all know in life and we all know in business that it's not an A to B line. 
it's more like a squiggly line going back and forth side to side okay so you use that line as your as your guidepost and what happens is in the um with a the skier they go side to side right slaloming slaloming yeah. down right they try not to go too far one way, too far the other way, because if they do, they end up in the trees and they die, right? So they keep an eye on the center line, but they have to go side to side to get where they got to go. But when you look closely at the line that they carve in when they go side to side, it's got a little flexibility, a little bend to it. That's decision making, mm-hmm. right? You're going back and forth. You're going towards the goal, but you have to have a little flexibility in your decision making, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, so that's one thing when it comes to failure. You have to have the size of decision making. You have to have flexibility at the same time. The second thing is about course correction. You can't... You ha- you're arrogant if you think you're not going to make mistakes, and you can't allow the fear of making mistakes stopping you from doing what you want to do. You have to look at mistakes as what they are, learning moments, stepping stones in your journey towards success, right? It's that simple. But here's the kicker. It's being objective. And that's, that's what you're talking about, your thing in, in, in this. Is, it's, it's the idea of being objective, right? And you have to be able to take step out of where you are and look at things objectively. If people looked at the world objectively and looked at all the shit that comes out of, out of the politician's mouth and everything, you would look at it and go, well, if, you take, if you take out your bias and take out your emotions and look at it, you go, man, tough. you people Very are, tough to do that. Your people are insane. Very tough to do and that. And that's, that's also the thing about in business. I tell people in business, you have to be objective. You have to step out and look at the situation for what it is as if you had no skin in the game. If you can do that, that's really going to push your success because then you will make the decisions that are necessary that might be holding you back based upon emotion and fear, right? And then lastly, you have to have the guts to do it. And everybody that's listening to this has the guts to do what they need to do. Everyone does. It's taking those first steps to get them there. That's the scariest. And what I tell people all the time is take bold first steps. Don't tiptoe. Take big steps in the sand so people could see where you went. Because you're going to make mistakes. If you make mistakes in the beginning, fine. But you're going to do them anyway. But if you're going to be a decision maker, if you're going to do these kinds of things, no one follows a timid person, right? And no one follows a person that's indecisive. So it, it, I'd rather you make a mistake and be bold in, in your mistakes than being making a mistake and go, ooh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And, 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 and then that just fail, fail spectacularly. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're timid in your mistakes that you make, then, then you just made it even worse because mm-hmm. not only did you make a mistake, but then all of a sudden you're taking a mistake is like, oh, and you get up and go. So, you know, it's, it's, it's it, I went off a little bit here, but, it, but go ahead. It, it's the objective stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's being objective. And that's where it takes time. I mean, I feel bad. I feel bad. You know, college kids go to college. All this group thing, all those things I see. I'm like, oh my god, aren't we supposed to go to? I mean, look what's going on in Berkeley. You've seen that. Yes. I mean, come on, man. Berkeley, every what is that? Ever State, yeah. uh, Ever State I Green mean, College, oh, Evergreen. My, yeah, I think it was. God, such pains in the asses. I mean, <sighs> shit. Bring that shit over here. Back in the day, are you kidding me? That stuff would never would have flown. I don't care. Get up on it. Listen, you can get up on a podium and speak anything you want. You're not hurting me, man. This is the thing, you know, I'll tell you something real quick. The whole Charlottesville thing, right? Those folks, the white nationalists, the scumbags, they're, they're terrible people, right? Mm-hmm. But they have a right to pro- protest or speak, uh, do the march. First Amendment. First Amendment, absolutely. A woman on CNN, this was great, this is why CNN sucks so much, is that the woman goes on and says, hate speech is not protected speech. Of course it is, man. Like, well, what's hate speech? Go read your history. 
Read your history for the last 200 years. Most of the revolution, everything went on to change this world has been what could be considered hate speech back then. You know what I mean? Come on, man. So I, 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 we saw that. And everybody's getting, and they had the Antifa and blah, 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 all this stuff going on. And I'm saying to myself, I'm going, when I was in a news business, right? I'm like, yeah, well, let's, let's put them on TV, man. Let's show it. Let's show it. Because? Because you're exposing the sons of bitches, man. You know, that's the thing. It, 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 it's, it's like in Berkeley. Like, we don't want the right wing people to come out and talk. Blah, blah, blah. Do it. Do it. You don't get it. You're, you're so concerned about these people coming out and spewing an agenda. And you're not thinking that maybe what they're spewing will turn more people off and into and say, listen, you're right, they're wrong. So it's kind of like let the, you have an arena of free thought. Yeah, you let these, uh, a battle of free ideas, free speech. Mm -hmm. They come in, you have one idea versus the other sure. idea. Let, let everyone hear it. Yep. And if one of them goes, dude, that's a dumb, that's a, that's stupid. Let it just fail in front of you as Absolutely. opposed to, um, and, and what's the, uh, it's almost like a schoolyard thing. Like when you tell kids, hey, no, 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 don't say this word. Don't, it's almost like you empower Absolutely. something that you hide. Basic, it's, it's basic instinct, man. And that's exactly what it is. And the more you get to want to clamoring down on people, the more you're driving into the other people's uh, side narrative. Expose it all. Look, people talk about race and prejudice and all this and that, right? And everybody's racist and everybody's prejudiced. Oh man, come on. You know what I mean? I'm saying, I believe that everybody has some prejudice in them. I don't believe everybody has racist in them. And, and, I, and I say to myself, I'm going, well, let them go talk, let them speak, let them expose themselves. I mean, in this day and, and, and time with social media, you'll get eviscerated or it will never go away. You can't hide it. So let them do their thing, right? Let them do their thing. On the flip side, you have these people like Antifa coming out and they're causing violence and people justify that. There's people in the, in the colleges and all justifying that kind of stuff that think it's okay to do that. I mean, it was some kind of poll that said 15, 20% people think it's okay. I'm like, okay. okay punch uh, a Nazi. Yeah, dude, so, uh, no, 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 no. Forget Nazis. I mean, forget them punching. I mean, them just doing what they're doing, whether mm. it's going against conservative viewpoints, you know, coming out with violence. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's okay if someone else, some of the bitches come up to me and I put and I bash their head into the ground, right? I mean, it, it, you know, where do you take it? So if you think it's okay for Antifa to go out and beat the crap out of other people because they don't like something to shut it down with violence, then if I was there and in turn and I just beat the shit of this guy in his submission, then it's okay I did that too, right? And then it's okay for him to come around and shoot me, right? Because I did that. And it's okay if I come out and I blow up his house. Whoa, it, it, yep. it's stupidity. It's stupidity. So it's like violence is bad. Hurting people is bad. Free speech should never have ever come down to violence like that mm -hmm. it shouldn't or censoring to the point that it has to escalate to said Abs violence absolutely it's doing the wrong thing so i say to you eki and i think you know where i'm going with this yep what's the purpose of doing it all why there's always see and this is the thing this is the three to four levels deeper than the surface what's the reason why it's going on like this why do you think this is something where i'm just observing Think about it. There's there's an agenda. There's a there's a point when you sub when you subverse people or you, you you shut people down. Control. Exactly. That's that's it, right? If you stop people from having another point of view, mm. then it's all groupthink, and it's only one point of view. 
And then when I've seen... So that's the end game then? Oh, I think it goes even deeper than that. But then, hmm. you know, I, I don't have... I, I, I wouldn't come out and say it in public because I don't think there's enough information yet. I have theories, which I don't True. think this is what we should be doing. No. But but I think I think that it's all about when you do that, it's control. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it's a bad thing because... Which could then lead to other... Other problems, mm-hmm. which you don't want. I mean, I'll give you a good example real quick. Um... That thing that happened with the kneeling um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> with the NFL players, what got very little attention was P.K. Subban, who is a African-American hockey player. He was with Montreal. Forgive me, folks. I think he's with Nashville now. I forget. He's Canadian. Oh, boy. I think it was Yahoo Sports. It was one of the sports writers of a, de- of a decent mm-hmm. uh, publication that slammed him basically because he refused to take a knee or wouldn't take a knee. And I'm saying to myself, first of all, he's Canadian. Why, why are you bringing in, why are you pushing on a Canadian for? Only because he's, he's, he's a black Canadian and, and they were getting on him. So, so then, it, then, then, then what I see, see what happens here Eric, is that you're stopping people from speaking from one side or trying to, right? And then the people who you think are on your side, you are coercing them into, if you, they think, think differently, you're trying to coerce them and shaming them into thinking that you have to be on their side mm. just based upon race, religion, creed, or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. I'm going, now, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that, that's insanity, right? I mean, think about it. That's, that's it's, identity it's, politics. It's, it's cr- 101. But, but it's taking it to the nth degree. All right, identity politics 505. Right, right. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like how far do you go? Do you turn around and you say, what? You know? I, it, it, it's, it's, it's nuts. It's and what's crazy nuts. about it, too, is that the, the kneeling, we, you go, as you, like, as you were using the analogy of just layers and layers deep, we've, mm. it, it, you kind of have to trace back, like, when did this all start? And it's all because of uh, Kaepernick and what his original intent was, Absolutely. was to bring... Um, uh, attention right. to Black Lives Matter, to right. p- police brutality, right. and it, it got lost. Now right. it's it got turned into a national issue of, oh, are you with the national anthem or are you not with the national? Right. Do you hate America or do you not hate America? Right. And it, it, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. All for the sake of, and as I think you're in, insinuating too, or, or saying that the media just keeps playing it up, letting it get out of hand in a way yeah i mean listen it got co-opted into another agenda yeah you know his what what kaepernick was trying to do was absolutely valid in terms of what Mm -hmm. he was trying to point out Mm -hmm. i don't agree in how he did it Mm -hmm. but i would have to acknowledge that what he did did bring voice to an issue so that's a double-edged sword there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of, of, of the flag or the, the anthem being disrespected like that, in my personal opinion. But he achieved what he wanted to do, which bring voice to it. It's a difficult, difficult topic. But you can't sit here and say that, well, you disrespected the flag, you did everything wrong. And then an African-American sits here and says, well, you didn't live in my shoes and what's been going on here. And I'm trying to bring attention to a real problem. I'm not a Kaepernick fan. I don't like what he did. But his message 
is absolutely valid. And it should be looked at. There's no question about it. So instead of busting out a million statistics to go one way or the other, and instead of you know, um, propping up Ferguson to be more than what it was, the hands, up hand, the hands up don't shoot thing, which was a false narrative when they found out. And, and, and if you don't believe me, it was Obama's DOJ looked into it. Go look it up yourself. All this stuff prevents people like me, you, anybody else around the table having a conversation about how to make things better. It, 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 it stops the unif- it stops the idea of unifying. I mean, think about it for one second. You're a, black, you're a black American and you're doing this to the American flag, right? And you're talking about police brutality. Who are you arguing? Who, who are you upsetting? Who, who are you upsetting? Think about it. Well, seriously, who are you upsetting? You're upsetting white America. You're upsetting all this and that. The people that you want to influence into your discussion to sit down and do it are the people you are aggravating. And people think, well, we have to aggravate people and force it down the agenda. Well, you tell me how many times when you were a kid and your mom wanted to force peas or food down your mouth, you didn't do it, right? I know that's, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. But it has, we have to take serious issues and bring it about in a serious way. And that's mm. where we have to look at, that's why Congress needs to be more like states, men, states, women, as opposed to politicians, that's where the media has to be more balanced left and right. That, that, that's why we have to give opinion and we have to have, you know, guardians of the gate of some things. You know, you just can't put everybody on there that are flamethrowers, which just incites violence, incites hatred, incites ideology. Where's the discussion? It's the same thing with the gun control. We talk about the gun control, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I sat there and I said to you, look, I like guns, but man, that bump stock thing is stupid. <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on, man. You know, police brutality, what's going on with the black man? I mean, that, that's it's, it's, it's ridiculous. There's, there's it's ridiculous to all this. Of course there is. But it takes thinking. It takes it takes three, four levels deep above the surface and people caught up in the seven second sound bite, they're caught up in there. This in a world in which we live in where there's so much information at hand, the problem is is that it's too much bad information at hand and people don't have the skill set sometimes to really know how to parse through the crap. They don't know how to parse through the fake news. You know? And whenever you lead by emotion, you've lost. You've lost. And it's hard because I'm older and I still find myself catching myself. Remember I was talking to you about the whole daily burn thing when I go mm-hmm. way back talking about you know, tragedy. And I, and I held on back doing it because it would have been sort of incendiary or maybe incendiary from the people thought of you, but it also brought no value. Yeah. So how am I, how am I helping? Mm-hmm. So that's why I did the thing on why the media hasn't called it terrorism. And I went that way with it and I gave it a value point. You know. So, that. You had a very interesting point um, going back, <laughs> jumping back mm. a bit of the Apo- um, apology for uh, meandering all over the place. No, it's perfectly fine. The um, the slaloming effect. Yeah. I think it also comes back to the pendulum effect as well yeah. too. And there was actually um, when when I listened to Jordan Peterson's podcast, he talked about kind of like a sidewinder snake mm-hmm. that as it's moving, as you can kind of think of like how and this is oversimplifying it, but trying to solve problems, there's obviously one way you can go about it mm-hmm. and another way to go about it. And so when the snake moves, the object is to try and stay in the middle of mm-hmm. the snake. Because, and it, it just, it just what, it, it's probably what has happened. Now, the snake is moving obviously very quickly, right. moving side to side uh, so many times per second. 
And if you could just slow it down, you zoom out a bit. This is probably the same as, you know, years, centuries, millennia of how the political landscape moves mm -hmm. as well, too. So you're, we're probably seeing, as you said, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, uh, the Forrest Gump quote. Mm, sure. And it just comes to show as when you went back and you were talking about making mistakes mm -hmm. and a proper path to leadership where you can have all these rules. And even if you do follow rules or you try to the best of your ability, you can still screw up. The best uh, uh, analogy I can think of is uh, jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. When you first start out, man, you're going to get tapped oh, a yeah. lot. Sure, You're sure. going to get owned a lot. You actually uh, dabbled in martial arts yeah, as well, taekwondo too. taekwondo for a couple mm -hmm. of years, yeah, sure. And when you first start out, there's a reason why you put on a white belt. Mm -hmm. you, ju you just, you, you're not, it, and the path to mastery or the path to not making a lot of mistakes, I mean, you still are, is to, own up to all of those mistakes when you mm -hmm. when you tap it and and as you said being very objective about it instead of being the type of uh whiner where like let's say you get tapped out oh that guy had uh 50 pounds on me maybe mm. so, go, oh, this, so, go, so go get stronger yeah oh th th this guy yeah. this guy tapped me out because of this this guy i lost yeah. because of this as opposed to hey i didn't i didn't spend enough time on the mats i didn't work on this technique a lot that my opponent was just simply better right so i think a, a great way to kind of tie all of as far as making mistakes to kind of tell warren that it's okay to uh make mistakes mm -hmm. here's some here's some pathways here's some practical applications whether it be through martial arts through um music even in music as i was about to tie into mm -hmm. it when you go into a jam session you don't know who you're playing with you don't mm -hmm. know what what style it is and you're going to make mistakes in the middle of a of a piece, but you keep going with it, and you kind of learn to to adapt to it as you keep moving along. The other thing was, it's interesting hearing a lot about U.S. politics and and how it goes along, and and I'm sure you've noticed whenever I would just kind of I would let the discussion go, have you say your piece, which is totally so much insight. I, I really thank you you're for welcome. giving a lot of it. And as you notice, I kind of, as I even said, I, I try to play the observer mm -hmm. standpoint. I think the the reason, and Warren should probably listen up to this as well, too, is because I watched my uh, dad engage in a lot of Thai politics mm. over the course of in the past 10, 20 years. Sure. Heard a little bit about the red shirt, yellow shirt thing, which is you could do a lot of correlation between what, what was happening with the United States. And it's even more complicated and nuanced where you would think like oh why don't i just choose this side mm -hmm. versus the other side and it's like both sides have fucked each other so badly like one oh you think this side was good oh well that's because this side had it's complicated you can read into it and if you find you can choose a team good good on you man but the point of it was that years ago i remember just being able to we would go over to one of uh, his friends in uh, Washington, D.C. He was my first exposure to him when I was growing up to Super Mario Brothers 2. I mean, he taught me how to play Punch-Out. You can actually dodge. So, <laughs> and, um, and then one day he goes, no, we're not going to uh, Washington, D.C. this year. Um, I go, why? Mm. He goes, he's a yellow shirt. <laughs> my dad was red shirt, and, 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 the other, and the other guy was yellow shirt. Mm -hmm. Really? And the first thing just 
you know, 20 plus years, just gone. Gone. Just, just like that. And I remember my dad would be sitting there and like just really ob- obsessing about the news and what was going on. Mm-hmm. And both sides calling. And, and yet another friend gone. Yet another friend gone. Nope. Not talking to that guy wow. anymore. Wow. You say, wow. Yeah. This sounds uh, pretty, very prob- similar, probably yeah. very familiar to what um, people have gone through. Uh, probably every year, uh, election cycle up. Oh, here comes the Facebook purge. Well, it's, the, comes... it's, this, it's this year, especially. Well, last yeah. year. How did your father, let me ask you this, how did your father, does he ever reflect upon those to you? Has he ever reflected upon just cutting those people out with any regret or, or, or in hindsight that he think of it differently after was it impulsive or did he think it through or years later, do you feel differently about it? The best way I can put it burning is that recent, this year he had his 70th birthday mm, and we sat down and he just goes combination of tie and what has been going on in the, in the mm. U S political climate sits down, looks at me and he goes, you know what, I've been watching the, the news for 40. I wake up in the morning watching this for 40 years now or, or whatever it was. And he goes, I'm tired. That's all he had to do. Mm-hmm. That's all he had. And it just, it was like, he just summed everything up. Mm-hmm. It's tiring, Bernie. In that moment right there is probably, probably when he might have been the most open to conversation. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to fight. For always something, fight. always fight. Just yeah. always, oh my goodness! It's, it's I, I want to say this uh, you know, really quickly. I, I mean, for the people that listen to this, just real fast. The point of everything I'm trying to bring out is to make people think and all that stuff. I, it's sad, saddens me. I, first of all, I think this country is great, and I think it's a lot better than when people want to say it is. Mm-hmm. I really do. But you have to get together and have conversation and you have to put aside the stuff you're listening and hearing and stop looking at all the images that are on TV, man. It's, it, it, it can, it negative images affects people without even knowing that it does, you know, and try to be objective and it's okay. You know, it's like a layer of an onion, man. There's so many layers to an onion to get to the core. It takes a while, mm. you know, educate yourself, be smart. You know, then make a decision on what you want to do. But don't don't ever shut people down either way. You know, it's not good. It's kind of funny though, isn't it? In the sense of like, it's base. It's it sounds like people like just rooting for their sports teams and just really being vehemently um, mm-hmm. attached to them. Ideology. I, I, want, I, want my, I want my team to win. I want yeah. I want the other team to win. But they all shake hands at the end of the game. You know, that, that's the thing. Do you think it's also probably because there are some people who just, I just tossed this idea around mm. where they, a lot of people don't engage in sports and politics is their sports. Absolutely. So as a Devils fan, I went through my heartbreak in the 93-94 season mm. when the losing to the Rangers in double overtime. Great, and we had great shock. Matto, Matto, Yes, Matto. yes. Thank you for bringing that up. I, I, and I got to bring up, what was it? It was a recent one. Too, where we finally beat the Rangers in it was single overtime. It wasn't double overtime. That was it's fake news. Oh, I got you. <laughs> um, and then obviously Buffalo fans are probably the most uh, hardened of all oh, with with uh, what is it four Super Bowls? four straight Super Bowls four, four Super Bowls yeah. And um, 
all Jets fans, um, I'm going currently going through what you're going through. Mm. Well, I have gone through for for years in the past. You know. Well, <laughs> what about what about last year? We'll take last year's Super Bowl when mm-hmm. Atlanta just yes. <laughs> I mean, so you, know. you feel heartbreak in, sure. in a double overtime loss, and but you 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 hopefully stick around with your team enough, and then you get mm-hmm. your little bit of of glory. So I think a lot of people got hardened by that of like, eh, it happens, you know. And I th- do you think there's probably a generation who grew up with not fall- not having a sports team and not really ever having that bit of hardening of an upset, and all they knew was was maybe eight years of uh, Democrats winning, and all of a sudden, and they've been told, as right. you said, almost pretty much pumped up by the media. Oh, what, what, what was the percentage chance that one could win versus the other? It was it was before. Mm-hmm. And then that upset happened, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I and I think a lot of like people who were probably followed sports were like, yeah, it happens, that type of thing happens, and then everyone else was just. At- well, I think the thing with the sports analogy is great. The only difference is is that you know w- 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 the analogy between the two. I think we're talking about politics and you're talking about sports. Is that it's it's emotion is is a common thread there, right? The difference between sports and politics is that, you know, win or lose with sports, it's how much emotional investment you put into it, but it doesn't really affect your way of life. People look at politics as affecting their way of life. So it gets a little bit more deeper in the emotional thing. That That's why it gets burns, I think, hotter, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I, and, and you brought up a point. The people that are grown up in a generation. And look, there's a whole generation of people here who only know about war. And the funny thing is they don't even know war. You know, I mean, 2001, 9-11 happened. People don't remember. I think it was 91, 92 was the... Uh, Gulf War. Gulf War. And then there was the Oklahoma City bombing. And then, you know, there was a World Trade WTC bombing in 93, I think with the shake. I think it was. People don't remember any of this stuff. You know they've grown up and they've grown up that we've been in war for 16 years, but they they don't even recognize or even know what's going on. I mean, four Green Berets lost lost their lives just the other day in Niger. Um, people don't even think about it. You know, they're so used to it. What the hell is that all about? Think about that for a second. We're at, we're at war. We're doing these things, and people are so used to it. And you, you, know? you, you brought up a, uh, another thought as well, too. And obviously there's difference, there's, but um, the Vegas shooting mm-hmm. and the reaction to it days later mm-hmm. versus when 9-11 happened mm-hmm. and then 9-12. Mm-hmm. So in comparison, as you saw with after, after Vegas, it just seemed like there was a lot more discourse. It was a lot more people at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. And I can only speak from anecdotal uh, experience. Sure. I can only go by uh, what I saw as I was driving along the turnpike. I saw every other car had a U.S. flag mm. on, it, and it was as opposed to now. It's just even in uh, you know a highly uh, blue state mm. around New Jersey and New York, you see ev- like everyone at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will tell you, <coughs> you're, you're, you're absolutely. There's two things with this. One is that. Nine Eleven was a, I guess people would call it the national tragedy, right? Though Vegas is a national tragedy and all that, but Nine Eleven hit every single culture, person, everything, and it was attack from a foreign country, right? It was basically war. Um, 
that's the place people got to get back to. Get back to the semblance of what America is about. It, it, it's funny. It's like a family, right? You know, you get into a family and you can say anything you want in the family, it's not, but an outsider comes in and says the same thing you said, oh, it's game on. Everybody's going to gang up on that person, right? I mean, that's what it is. I mean, America's a family. It's this big family. I will say this. I went to uh, Hawaii, I think it was, about eight, nine months later. Uh, something along those lines. And I remember people in Hawaii, some people didn't really care or connect with it because it was so far away. Yeah. <clears throat> not all, not all. I'm just saying there was, there was, there was a couple of people that I ran into, you know, when I found out where I was from in New York, New Jersey and all that. I was shocked to hear that. So, yeah, I mean, look, you know, everything we're talking about today and, and to get back to your son and hearing this is that, look, everything you watch on TV, everything you read and hear and this, this and that, when you're younger, you, your knowledge base is smaller, right? You don't have as much life experience, and a lot of stuff you're going to be seeing is going to be surface level stuff. There is three or four levels deeper than everything you're going to see. And that's where you got to get to. That, that's where you find the commonality with people. And the only way to do that is to sit across from a table with people who understand that they're not infallible. That, that, that they will, and that's where the compromise begins. Where, where are we? You know, what do we agree upon? That's how the conversations begin. You know, the media is going to do what it does for its ratings and making money. And, you know, I'm not saying all media is bad. I, you know, I, it's not all bad. You know, it's there for a reason. It's just really gone off the deep end. Um, the congressmen, uh, senators, and all, they're not, they're politicians. They're not statesmen or stateswomen anymore. You know, they're very few. There's too much groupthink going on. You know, we have to start learning to be individuals and, and, and that. You want to make the world a better place. Start with yourself. And I'll tell you, my God, if you work on yourself, you're going to have more influence on, on people than you will but in any other way you can do it. You know, um, and that's what I would tell Warren, you know, take your time. Uh, don't worry about making mistakes. They're going to happen. Mistakes are good. Failure is devastating. But even through failure, like I went through divorce and, 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 and we've all gone through bad things, you know, that those are there's still opportunities to learn within that. And it's the perspective you take that's either going to make you learn or going to make you bitter or hardened. And you just have to decide what you want to do. Understand that there are no absolute truths. You know, be wary of people who, who con you with seven, second, seven word sentences and seven second sound bites. 140 characters. 140 characters. You know, rise above it. Rise above it. And, and just by doing that, you'll be a better person. Read, get smart, look at opposing ideas, make your opinions on things, but be intelligent about it. You know, you have a passion for something, learn about that passion, what you can do. Understand that there are limitations, but limitations is what makes us strong. There are no participation trophies. There just aren't. And uh, those, those are the key things, man. You know, don't be careful of being influenced. Be careful, especially at a young age. Um, those are the things you got to be worried about. And and but 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 having a father like you, oh jeez. And, and and seriously, you, know, you and Jess are amazing people, and I, I'm not worried about them. I really wouldn't. Um, I will say this to Warm, and this happens all the time: is that you will be disappointed by your parents at some point. It happens. Oh, I'm going to disappoint them like on purpose. But, but oh, I'm going to mess <laughs> with that kid so much. But don't. I know. But don't. Yeah. Don't 
let it disappoint. Don't let it bother you too much. Because mm. it's, 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 every, parents are trying their absolute best. And when you get older, it's hard sometimes to see your parents for what they are. It really is. It, it, you're like, because uh, you have this thought process of what it is, then you get older and you see for it what it really is. And then you have to look at the layers below it as to why it became what it did. And then you become even more grateful for who they were and helping you get through the things knowing exactly how hard it was for them. So be open-minded, you know, be open-minded. Bernie wrapping it up very eloquently. It's kind of like uh, we were just jamming on the guitars and oh, yeah. I, I let you have that last solo and <laughs> I stopped playing rhythm and you just go at the end. It's eloquently put and very much appreciated. And I hope you enjoyed yourself. Absolutely. And I hope to have you on again sometime soon. I, I'm, I'm here for you, man. I love it. This is great. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of you. I think you guys are doing a great thing here. This is great. Appreciate it, Bernie. Thank you so much. Thank you.